the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Welcome to the Free Indeed Podcast, where we believe in freedom, reaching everyone, everywhere. Here's your host, Mike Hansen. Welcome to episode 28 of the Free Indeed Podcast. Actually, today I am by myself. I'm doing a first solo version of the Free Indeed Podcast. Kirk and I's uh, calendar has not synced up too well over the last uh, couple of weeks. So as I thought about it and he and I were texting, uh, we realized that um, if I want to keep up the episodes week to week, I need to do a solo episode or two. We'll see how long this goes. So I thought I'd at least do one episode, depending on how many there are, how many I I, I need to um, cover, I guess. I don't have a a real deep need, but at the same time, as I thought about and prayed about what to do with this Free Indeed podcast on my own here, um, what about the biblical underpinnings of freedom? And kind of do a a little journey into that, into the Bible, um, and just see where in the Bible there is a, a talk about freedom and how is it important. As you hear at the beginning and the top of our podcast through the introduction, it is free indeed is completely based on a, on a Bible verse that is John eight thirty six. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. But that is not the first place, of course, that you know we talk about. And then there is freedom that shows up in the Bible. I believe freedom is love based. I believe freedom is to be um, always at the at the um, center of what love is about. And so, freedom is comes from a heart that says I love you enough to let you do what you want with your life and how you respond to my love and this is how I believe God um, speaks to us as, as humans and I don't believe slavery because if there's freedom that means there was a place where there was not freedom and that is the idea of slavery and what about slavery so I guess I want to kind of look at the contrast between slavery and freedom in the Bible uh, freedom of course being our goal and ultimately, I believe God gives us freedom to do whatever we want with the lives that we have. Um, and freedom is a freedom of choice, a freedom of living, and a freedom to choose Him. It's never forced. It's never coerced. God never makes us do anything. He is the perfect lover, if you will, that says, uh, you know, you can be my son or my daughter. That is a choice you can acknowledge. I believe you already are. I believe God, you know, saying to us, I was a son of God before I ever realized I was a son of God. And part of my story is I don't, I have, uh, you know, my mom who raised me as best as she could. Um, but I also did not have a dad for the vast majority of my life, uh, up until I was about 14. And so, um, my part of my story is becoming a son of God, becoming a son of the father as I realized just where I am and just uh, my place in the whole scheme of things as God sh- uh, showed me that I am that I am his son. So I will um, go somewhat chronologically in the Bible as I thought about the first place to look uh, for a place that expresses kind of a, a, a deep, if you hear these words, it's a very short verse. So this is where we're going to start. I'll, I'll highlight a few verses and maybe some stories about freedom. Um, and then kind of just share on that and prayerfully ask that God would lead me to be able to share from my heart for it and share from what he has to say about this as well. And of course, the Bible is the best 
authority on this. And I believe God interacts with the Bible to us. So that is the point of the Bible and why it's been preserved is so that we can get to know him and what he's like. And let me just start with this. Uh, The best place to start when it comes to, at least I think, studying what freedom means is to look at the first history of God's people. And uh, if, if you read the story leading up to this time, this moment in history, you know that God's people were enslaved. They weren't a nation when they were enslaved. They became a nation as they were enslaved in another nation. And what happened was the Egyptians got scared of how many Hebrews there were, how many Israelites there were. And so out of fear, they enslaved them. They held them at the end of a spear, uh, at the end of an arrow, and said, you will, you will do for us what we tell you to do. And of course, if you please read the story. That was not always the case. They ended up in Egypt because of a famine back in the day, and they ended up um, becoming a nation out of Abraham's, I mean, I'm sorry, Jacob's sons. Uh, obviously, it started with Abraham, but not in Egypt. What started in Egypt was was Jacob's sons, and eventually they all they all died away. And you have decades and decades, and then a couple of centuries of existence in the land of Egypt. And the Bible is actually very scarce in details as to what exactly happened. I will uh, read just a couple of highlights that kind of give you some more context as to where where they came from. So I'm reading from the end of Genesis and just the very beginning of the book of Exodus. So you'll get an idea of some of the context, and that's always good to have some context. I won't go into a lot of context for all these verses here because they kind of stand on their own, but just remember a great um, principle of Bible study is do not take stuff out of context. You need to consider that. So if you don't know the story, here it is towards the end of Genesis, actually the last uh, couple of verses. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, Israel is Jacob, swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And so leading up to that time, there's an amazing story of how Joseph ended up in Egypt and how he ended up uh, taking care of his family down there during the time of the terrible, terrible famine. So just turn the page and start reading in Exodus. And so Exodus is, as it sounds, if you don't know what Exodus means, it simply means uh, being taken out of or coming out of. So it's a, the name comes from the idea that, of course, the Israelites left Egypt. They exited Egypt as a connection in those words. So here it is in Exodus 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, Israel, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. So there you go. All that generation. So we don't know how long that was. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. So that's kind of some cryptic language as to here's what's happening. They grew exceedingly strong in number. And I don't know if they grew exceedingly strong militarily, 
but they at least grew exceedingly strong in number, which uh, you can't grow strong militarily if you're not going to grow strong in number anyway. So now, verse 8 here in Exodus chapter 1, Now there rose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And so we don't know how long that was. It could have been generations, a couple of generations out. I mean, we're talking a few, three or four decades. And we don't know how long this was, but here's what happened. And he said to the people, Behold, he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. And so fast forwarding in this story a little bit, you know the story of Moses. You know how he was rescued from being um, thrown into the Nile. And then eventually he committed a crime. He, he grew up in Pharaoh's household and he committed a crime of murder against uh, one of the Hebrew taskmasters and then fled. And it says, um, it says that it, during those days, this is now in Exodus chapter 2, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Now, why else would you? What else would you do if you were in slavery? You would cry out for help. Now, friend, in your slavery, I hope former slavery to pornography, I hope that you are and have cried out for help. I hope that God is reaching you right now through this podcast to help you in your slavery. As you have cried out for help, you have, God has heard your cry. In verse 24, God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And so at least let me let you know, friends, God knows this slavery that you find yourself in. Now, there's a balance between you choosing to be a slave and slavery happening to you. The generation at this very moment in the Bible story did not choose to be slaves. They were groaning out for help because they knew they weren't meant to be slaves. They were not meant to be that way. No nation is meant to enslave another nation. No person is meant to enslave another person. No human being is meant to be enslaved to anything or anyone. And so I believe very much that God wants all of us and all of his men, this is who I'm speaking to, this is of course who I am, to be free. Free to be the man of God that you're supposed to be. Now, the verse that I want to highlight then, I'm going to give you just a very short version of everything that happens with this nation of Israel. They they eventually do leave Egypt after some amazing ten plagues um, that uh, cripple Egypt. They end up in, in wandering around in the Promised Land or towards the Promised Land for reasons. They another reason they ended up wandering around and not in the Promised Land was because ten out of the twelve slaves, uh, slaves, sorry, ten out of the twelve spies that were sent up to spy out the Promised Land 
they were still in Egypt. They still believed they were still slaves and powerless. Two of them, however, Joshua and Caleb, believed in the power of God to rescue them. So where this particular verse that I'm about to read to you fits in, I don't exactly know in terms of the history. I mean, I could probably figure it out. I believe it was, um, I believe it's after they uh, spied out the promised land and found it to be too hard for them to possess, and then God punished them. And so this could be right in the middle of their, um, right in the middle of their kind of wandering banishment into the wilderness. Leviticus chapter 26. So you have the books of uh, Moses here, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, and uh, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, Genesis. Genesis is the first one, sorry. Um, Leviticus here in 26, there is... um, very clear-cut, it seems like, rewards for obedience. If you have the New International Version Bible, you you quickly see, if you read this here, um, there are subtitles. Reward for obedience at the beginning of chapter 26 of Leviticus, and then re- punishments for disobedience. And so, I'm not going to get into all the details of what they were, but the whole point is, God is saying, look, if you listen to me, you obey me, And if you do as I have commanded you, you will live a prosperous life, collectively as a nation, individually as people, and as families and clans. You will live a prosperous life. And there's a reason why God wanted obedience. And I'm going to, I think, touch on the the power of obedience for real true freedom, I think, uh, eventually too, not just yet. Um, But I believe in true obedience, there is true freedom, true true freedom. But let let me read to you one verse that to me captures just a, the heart of God that he wants for this people in this moment and ultimately for you, my friend. So now we're just simply going to know, if you get a minute, find Leviticus 26. You got um, uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, okay? And I believe Numbers is after that, or am I mistaken? Yeah, Numbers and then Deuteronomy. So look in Leviticus chapter 26, and then look at verse 13. I'm reading from the New International Version. I like this the way this is re- this reads. And so look at Leviticus chapter 26 verse 13. Okay? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Isn't that a beautiful promise? It's not even a promise. This is simply God saying, look, I love you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Don't you remember that? Why did I bring you out of Egypt? So that you would no longer be the slaves to the Egyptians. And you will read, in the, if you read in the account of the plagues, the reason why God wanted the Israelites to leave, at least initially, was so that they could worship. This whole thing became a worship experience. And the whole point is that they could have togetherness with God. That's the whole point. God wants to be with his people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Why? So that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. And here's what I did. I broke the bars of your yoke and I enabled you to walk with heads held high. What does that mean to you? What does that mean when you hear, I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high? Think of the love and the passion behind those words. Think of the fatherly love and tenderness that comes from those words that say, I I caused you to leave a place of oppressive 
awful slavery. In other places, it's called the furnace of Egypt. The idea being that it was an awful, terrible place to be that was nothing but working with no pay, uh, working, and if you read some of the story as well, they ended up having to do twice as much work with half the materials or very few of the materials making bricks. They were not a people accustomed to having their heads held high. If they had their, held their heads too high, they were whipped and they were beaten. God is telling them, I took you out of Egypt so that you could walk with your heads held high. You could be your own nation. You could be your own person, your own man, your own women, your own son and daughter. You could have your own families, and I will give you a land that is your own. That was a promise that he gave to Abraham and that he uh, had fulfilled through Moses, his instrument, his servant. Now, I want to ask you, what does that do for you? Let me tell you what it does, does for me. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. What is probably the deepest emotion you experience when consuming porn? For me, I will say shame. And the reason why is because it is a debilitating habit that while it feels good, it only makes me feel less of a man when I consume porn. When I go through that full experience of having a sexual relationship with um, an image or a video, whatever it might be, that I should not be having. It is a false intimacy, and that false intimacy only brings shame. It only brings guilt. I cannot walk with my head held high when I am living in the slavery of the sin of consuming pornography because I realize that something has a hold on me and something is keeping me from becoming the man that I was meant to be. Part of what I hear God saying in this verse is that you are becoming the nation that I want you to be. He did have an ideal for the nation of Israel. They were supposed to be a light to the world and light to the nations. They were supposed to shine brightly, and they never, unfortunately, fulfilled that destiny. And so fast forward to what Christ has done for us. And I want to, get, uh, I want to do a, a counterpart verse, if you will, uh, to read to you. And, and help you see the power of this freedom and the power of um, yoking ourselves. And do you know what yoking means, right? Yoking is when uh, two oxen or whatever kind of uh, animal for plowing a field, it's an agricultural term, is they're yoked together, right? And uh, this is an image that says, I broke the bars of your yoke. In other words, the, the power that was over you, I broke And so God is himself telling them, I can break that power. And you know what, though? That story of the 12 spies, the 10 that came back and said, I, uh, we don't believe that the land can be taken because the people are too big. They look too strong. They're too numerous. We can't do it. They did not believe in the power of God. They did not believe in the power that God said, I will take care of this. The question for you is, the question for me is, Do you believe God has the power to rescue you from your slavery? They still chose to be slaves, even though physically they weren't in Egypt. These men who came back, the 10 of the 12 that came back and said, we can't take the land, were still in Egypt. They never wanted to leave. And if you read any of that history, you'll realize that these 
people complained and complained and complained. They wanted to go back to a life that was predictable in a sense, that had no freedom in a sense. Do you want to go back to that life? You don't want to go back to that life, do you? Do you want to go back to that predictable cycle of pleasure, guilt, shame, lying, trying to hide it, and then realizing when people look at you and ask how your day is going, you feel awful because you feel shameful and guilty, and you don't want to look somebody in the eye. You don't want to hold your head up high because you have no reason to. God is saying, yes, you can. I can give you this freedom. And here's what I'm hinting at. Here's what I'm saying. I haven't given you the other counterpart verse to this just yet, but I will. Here's what I hear it saying. I hear it saying that your freedom allows you, the freedom I give you, God is saying, allows you to um, not just leave physically porn behind. I want you to leave it behind in your mind. I want you to have freedom in your mind from the desire to look at pornography, from the desire to enslave yourself in that life. And so I believe that. I believe that is very much possible. I believe there is a time and place where we can find a true freedom from the deepest parts of our souls to be free from pornography, not just free in the sense of abstinence. Kirk and I have talked about that a number of times. There's There's a freedom that's not just an abstinence where we are stopping to consume pornography and yet clenching our teeth and um, trying so hard to not give in. That's all good, but that's not a true freedom. You've got to evaluate how deep is your freedom? How deep is my freedom if I want it so bad? And believe me, I know how deep temptation goes. I know temptation will never stop because it, it, it happens to me on a regular basis. But I also know that temptation has limited power. God has infinite power. And so I could not do a podcast like I'm talking to you today about this if I didn't experience it. I would not be able to do, I would have a uh, cogniz, what's the word I'm trying to say? Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> there would not be an integrity if I was sitting here talking to you saying that it wasn't possible or that it is possible and not living it myself. Is my, is my abstinence perfect? Probably not. My abstinence has not been perfect since I first met Kirk and first went through his class going on five years ago. But I tell you what, what was that first podcast about? What is freedom? Freedom is not giving up. These men who went up to the promised land gave up before they ever got back. They saw only giants in their way and they gave up. I believe freedom has a cost and it has a a price that needs to be paid. You have to choose freedom. Okay, let me go to this uh, other Bible verse that's kind of a counterpart here. It's not just one verse, and I'm going to read the context. So we're talking Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Here it is. Come to me, all who will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you hear the paradox here? If you read the letters of Paul 
to his churches. He called himself a slave of Christ. And if you want to be a slave of Christ, if you want to be a slave of God, here it is. Here's Jesus saying, here's how you can be my slave. Here's how you can come to me and be with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why is that important? Why would I do that? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And there is one key to freedom, rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden of carrying around shame with pornography and a habit of pornography and addiction to pornography is not an easy burden to carry. If you are in a life cycle right now of trying to hide your pornography, is that easy? Is there rest in that? If you come out and talk about the truth of your habit to someone you love, to someone who cares about you, we've talked about this before too in this podcast. If you share this, you will unburden your soul. Share it, of course, with Jesus first. He is the one to take away the true burdens from the soul. He is the one to deliver you to bring true freedom. I think Jesus, more than anything, does want us to walk with our heads held high, not in an arrogant sense, not in a way that will um, push others away, but in a way that gives a human dignity. My friends, my brothers, you are worth so very, very much. Jesus died and and, uh, spent himself. He gave himself as an ultimate sacrifice. He became a slave to death. And I can't think of any other words to say except look to him. He will show you the way out of this. So you've heard Kirk's story many times through this podcast. Kirk decided to make a difference because freedom starts on the inside. When he said, and Jesus right here says, come to me, you have to choose to do so. And he says, take my yoke upon you. You still have to choose to do so. You cannot have this lightness without choosing it. In the burden of slavery, in the burden of living underneath the slavery of a porn problem and a porn habit is not light and it is not a yoke that you want to keep. You want to walk around with your head held high because you are living in a life of freedom. A true life of freedom that says, I can look at another woman, I can look at a woman and not do all those things that I have done before. I can look upon my wife or my girlfriend and not do those things that would be mistreating a woman. And I am free to choose not to give in to the slavery of that pornography that is wanting to enslave you. The IP mistress only wants everything. So we're taking a little break in the six V's right now, as you know, and we'll get back to them. Um, It is a series that I'm really looking forward to continuing with Kirk, but I will do a couple of podcasts, a few podcasts on the biblical understanding of freedom. And so this is just the first one, Leviticus 26, 13. Start there. Spend some time with it. What is God saying to you from Leviticus chapter 26, verse 13? Brothers, I wish freedom for you. I wish a light burden for you. I pray those to you right now and pray that God would reveal himself in a powerful way that shows how 
Freedom is a much better life to live than a life of slavery. Freedom is a much bigger life to live. If your head is held high, you can see what's around you. If your head is held low and you're looking down at the ground in front of you, all you see is what's around you. Looking around you, you will see more to this life than a life of slavery. And with that, we will end this episode of the Free Indeed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Free Indeed Podcast. Visit freeindeed36.com for more resources with deeper information and upcoming events. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery.